Hello, everyone. You're listening to Digital Builder, a podcast brought to you by Autodesk, made for construction professionals who want to hear from those on the forefront of construction technology. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Each episode will feature a conversation with a construction industry leader. Together, we'll dig in on themes related to connected construction and discuss where the future of the construction industry is headed. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Autodesk's Digital Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Thomas. This week, we'll be discussing wearable technology and the role it can play on a construction project. But before we dive straight in, I wanted to make a humble request that if you're enjoying the show, could you take a moment to rate or review us on your favorite podcast player? Spotify just opened up a brand new rating function, so take a look at that. And of course, Apple Podcasts and most other platforms allow you to rate and review podcasts, which does make a meaningful impact for our team. So with that very drudgery of housekeeping wrapped up, let's jump straight into today's show. To help tell the story about wearables, I'm joined by three guests this week, which is the first time we've had such a large group on Digital Builder. So I'm pleased to introduce Ken Lustig, the Senior Vice President of Strategic Partnerships and Corporate Legal Affairs and co-founder of Realware. Ken, you wear a lot of hats. Niran Shrestha, the co-founder of Quant.ai and Lorenz Lothfer, Heads of Solutions at Navis. So thanks for joining me on the show today, gentlemen. I'm really looking forward to learning more about what's possible with wearable tech and construction. Eric, really great to be here with you on Digital Builder. Thanks for inviting us, Eric. Yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. And I'm excited to see how the format for three guests goes. So if I stumble over my words, dear listeners, I sincerely apologize. But for the first part of today's show, we'll spend a little bit of time getting a deeper understanding of what wearable technology is and the value that it provides to the construction industry. Once we can see how the tech impacts the way we work, we'll discuss some actionable guidance from our guests for evaluating and implementing the technology and hopefully have a little bit of a glimpse into what the future might bring. So to get us started, I'd like to set that baseline for what qualifies as a wearable in construction. Ken, can you kick us off here with your definition? Eric, that's a great question. We at Realware look at it as any form of technology that is physically worn by the user, helps them complete their job and job tasks. And these are technologies that really have the potential to transform the construction industry, improving the safety and efficiency of the workers. In the case of Realware, we're focused around head-worn Android computers, which can eliminate the needs for bulky construction plans, physical checklists, or other paperwork. We're also providing the workers with the ability to take pictures, have two-way video calls, recording notes, as well as integration with mobile device and PC-based applications, all driven by voice commands the level of tech that's offered to the individual worker has has changed a great deal in the last 10 years. So I, I appreciate that baseline definition. Niran or Lorenz, do you have any additional thoughts on what you would qualify as a wearable? Yeah, I think there's multiple different kinds of wearables in the market right now. Primarily at Quant AI, we're focused on wearables for worker safety and productivity, as well as understanding their health and their biometrics to improve their performance. And it could be in a different form factor. It could be attached to a hard hat. It could be attached to a wristband. It could be on a belt. It could be on a vest. So something that attached with the body, so you're wearing it and then collecting data and sending it over the cloud to make provide actionable insights is what I qualify as a wearable. I appreciate that. And there's just so many potential options that really have a play at this point versus even what we might have thought about as a wearable three to five years ago. So I appreciate that that baseline context. 
Lorenz, can you share some of those common myths or misconceptions regarding wearable technology and take a stab at busting some of them? Yeah, Eric, thanks a lot for the question. I will come up with a very specific myth in the field of laser scanning. We are at Navis, we are producing a technology for mobile mapping. And in, in the field of laser scanning, for a long time, there has been a myth around the um, accuracy of mobile mapping devices. So very fast, it has been accepted that mobile devices are very efficient in capturing. But for a long time, the myth has been that they are not the accuracy that they deliver in terms of data is not sufficient. But this is not true anymore. This has been true in the beginning of the technology, but now with the, with the evolvement of the technology, especially the software, the accuracy has so much improved that it's, that it's sufficient for most applications in the field of scanning. And this is not only based on our own technical assessments and the assessments of our customers, but we also see this in the general perception of the topic in the market. In the, we did recently just a, a survey, it's basically called the State of Mobile Mapping Survey 2021. And, this, and there we, we got the clear feedback from the market that only a, a fairly small fraction of the uh, geospatial professionals still think that this is the case. So today we, we can confidently say that mobile mapping is accurate enough for most, most applications. I appreciate the context there, and that maps right back to my uninformed assertion that in the you know recent years in the evolution of technology, things can change a whole lot from when somebody might have taken a look at that particular element of tech versus what's available in the, the full-on functionality and capability today. Thank you for validating that. I do appreciate it. Gentlemen, do either, either of you have any other myths that you run across regarding wearable technology that you'd love to take an opportunity to debunk before we get deeper into the discussion? Sure. Let me jump in with a couple of myths. We really focus on efficiency and simplification. And when a new user puts on a row or a headset, they can operate in a matter of minutes with little or no training. And we like to say we've got that realware, realware smile. And we've seen that with our technology, other technology, it's becoming so easy and simple to use that really breaking down that myth that you know once workers adopt this technology, there's very little in the way of training and we can see immediate improvements in efficiency. That's one of the most important elements, I think, specifically with construction technology too, because being out on a project site, it's, it's a chaotic situation and to be handed a new element of technology where it's not obvious when you either are handed it or open the app or anything to this is how I use this now, you're going to struggle with adoption. So that simplicity is key. And I'm glad to hear that's rolling into the realm of uh, wearable technology as well. Niran, do you have any myths that you commonly come up against that you'd like to do away with? For us, it's more of a seamless data collection. There's no user worker requirement to add or input much. It's more than just the hardware. It's the data that we collect and the insights that we provide is the core value of the product. And, and your answer here leads into my next question that I was going to pitch your direction. And it's it's tied to what I just mentioned, that the spike on the innovation curve in construction is, has been crazy. And I'm really curious to learn how that applies to wearables. Can you do a, a look back? Like, where were we at five years ago versus today in that evolution? 
one of the one of the biggest challenges to wearables was the battery life actually because if you had to charge your wearable almost every hour or every, even every day the the adoption actually doesn't happen that much so the evolution of how bluetooth uwb lorawan and rfid technologies and even these uh, uh, zigbees has now evolved that in a smallest amount of bytes of data, you can actually push in a lot of payloads actually. So that, that has been a big evolution that came into us. And especially for construction, in construction, people have tried to use, use wearable many times. People have tried to use RFID badges. They have tried to use something that you know, all the infrastructure you need to add around the job site to collect the data. You know? And it didn't work until last couple of years. And it suddenly it started working because it now these the new versions of technology, Bluetooth, UWB, and Zigbee's, it, it can do so much with a such a small amount of power that you don't need to charge these uh, wearables every day. You can last for two years. Our wearable lasts for two years without charging. And then the second thing is about the whole the network that you can use a low power network with a long range that without any infrastructure, like we can collect data from very seamlessly. And I think we've seen a huge evolution happening right now. And that's, this is just a start actually. I appreciate that context, and I hadn't thought about the battery element, to be honest, but that, that has to be a huge one because say you're doing this massive $2 billion project that has 800 people deployed on site, and every hard hat needs to be charged every night to, to you know get your wearable tech or whatever device you're doing. That's obviously unsustainable, especially just because of the logistics to make that happen. Or either you do it in-house and you have somebody responsible for 800 hard hat charging at the end of the day, or the end user is, and people forget to do some of this stuff. So that's great. And I've, I think the, the gentleman who invented the lithium ion battery, and please don't quote me on this if I'm mistaken, might have won a, a Nobel Prize or something because it's changed how impactful technology tied to battery tech is. So that's really cool context and sounds like we've come a long way even just in that one element. Lorenz, any other thoughts as far as that evolution in the last five years that you'd like to add? I think what may not be well understood outside the construction industry, the construction is very data intensive and a very people interactive business. And and we're seeing this evolutionary curve of technology where it's really simplifying the access to data, managing data, providing new ways for, for people to communicate. Head-worn technology has really evolved along this evolutionary curve for use in construction. It's can be improved in, hard, in hardware. Ron mentioned it can be improved in battery life, functionality, optical technologies, compute capabilities, as well as lighter weight, better cameras, more comfortable to wear and just becoming a tool that, that a work can have on all day long as opposed to using it episodically for a particular acute need. Like, can you really start unpacking the, the real world benefits of wearable technology? And I think we've touched on it a little bit here, but I'd like to really highlight that for everybody out there listening right now. Absolutely, Eric. The benefits are quite broad. Workers have improved efficiency. Uh, they have better safety. In our case, with head-worn wearable tech, Information can be at the eye line or right below the eye line. Workers can get information and perform actions such as video calls while also working on the job tasks, keeping their, their hands free versus say using a cell phone or a tablet, pulling something out of your pocket, operating it with one or two, two hand operations. And the ability to share information uh, such as live video of an item that needs to be inspected can be done in a way that's simple, easy, interactive, and while the work is continuing to perform their tasks. And safety is also a really big deal. 
head-worn wearables allow the user to maintain situational awareness while completing that job task. That situational awareness and safety aspect is a really big deal in the construction industry because the worker could be in an unsafe environment, they could be stationary, lots of things going around, they have to have situational awareness, or they could literally be walking around on the construction site. Many people, in fact, do that with our technology. They'll walk around the construction site, engaged in filming something, taking a picture, or engaged in a two-way video call, and still have full situational awareness of keeping themselves safe. Plus, there's also the cost savings is huge as well. People really can be joined by video and see exactly what the wear is seeing. It reduces the number of people that need to be on a job site. Inspections can be done quicker, as well as someone in on a job site can be given instructions. And we have a lot of case studies to show this and show the return on investment. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot there. And the safety one is is what I was most familiar with, especially when we got into the, the beginning of the pandemic. Listeners, I promise we won't have a, a lengthy pandemic discussion. I know we're all exhausted by that uh, talk track, even though it's still relevant and important, but that might've increased the exposure to, that people had to to that technology in a in a really interesting moment. And I think the adoption of the uh, some of these different types of technologies has, has really increased in you know recent months and years. Yeah, so actually, Actually, we had a huge adoption for contact tracing. So this definitely accelerated the adoption of wearables in the market. Yeah, literally, Eric, many of our, our customers had to limit the number of people that could be together in one physical space. And so they adopted remote tech. So someone that could field could have remote tech on, uh, show video to someone remotely. They could still get the work done without having to co-locate. It was a really big deal for many of our customers. We also saw a great increase in adoption during the time of basically reduced travel, which is still, still there because basically our technology allows to remotely visit construction sites, but also factories and decide things without being physically there, which also then pays into obviously safety. And the other aspect that, that we, where also a benefit comes with mobile mapping is basically increased productivity of the 10 times larger volume of square meter that you can scan with uh, mobile mapping compared to terrestrial scanning. I think the the silver lining of, of you know the last two years is the the really impactful changes that it's made to the way everybody works, but specifically within the construction industry, because I, I feel it was one that was a lot more hesitant to look at hybrid working options, and admittedly for good reason, because we're out there building things. And so there was a uncertainty on if people could be as impactful or productive from home as they were sitting in the project trailer right next to that specific project. But it's a change that I'm actually really excited about personally, because I think it opens up the door of opportunity in construction to a lot of different people that may not have had that opportunity previously. So say there's a project out in San Diego that's have a pretty impressive scope of work and a lot of technology deployed on site. You could now have somebody in Germany or South Dakota or somewhere else who's very actively involved in that site in a way they never historically would have been empowered to do previously. And so I think it's going to increase access and equity in, in the construction space, especially in a moment where we're struggling a little bit to fill all of the open roles and positions. Ken, I'd like to kick a question to you and then open it up for everybody else is how else might wearables fit into that hybrid working environment that we're now seeing? Ken, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that one. It's a great question, Eric. And I would say fits in quite naturally. We've seen hybrid work environments, as you mentioned, in a number of industries, including construction, where people are permanently changing their work patterns by not having to send the same number of people on site or someone remotely who might not 
naturally travel, would be able to see what's occurring on a job site in a geographic location outside where they're physically at. With these wearable computing technologies, remote workers will be seeing and push information to the worker. They can also sign off on a visual inspection or assist with other tasks. Wearable tech has permanently changed work processes where workers will no longer need to be on site. They can spend more time with their families. They can multitask more and they then participate via online video and audio sessions. Yeah, there's so much there the, that we're just really starting to, to fully take advantage of. The inspections one is, is another one that I think is particularly interesting, especially because I know a lot of big projects, when they're trying to you know wrap up and turn it over to the owner, the inspection element often is a bit of a delay because there's so much to coordinate with municipalities and the organizations that are, you know, out there overseeing this. And if some of this can be taken to a remote element, especially with the quality of data that we can capture, hopefully, fingers crossed for those that can't see me right now, it will streamline some of that and allow us to get projects wrapped up sooner than we have historically. Construction is such a heavily physical work and on-the-site work. So we'd always question, like, how could this be hybrid? But now with customers that are managing job sites all around the country and on their life dashboards they can see they can see a number of workers where they're working or where their equipment's at sitting in new york they can see the projects in florida in california in texas they can see everything actually so i think that opened up a lot of things the other thing i think is really important to also mention is that in construction you are actually adding workers or removing workers without knowing how many workers you need and you're cramping the workers in a site to just to make it work or you don't have enough workers. So right now, if you don't need that many workers in a single zone, you can actually say, don't come to work. Like, go and stay in another, go to another site. So you can be more productive actually. So it's, a, it's about optimizing resources that you have. So that I think is a big part of the new generation of like new evolution of construction that's gonna happen. And that productivity element is so important, especially as some seats are hard to fill for different skilled trades right now, as we're all very familiar with. And being able to just efficiently optimize the deployment of your people is, is a game changer, especially if you're light on resourcing to begin with. So I, I appreciate that, that context. And it's an important one for everybody out there to consider as they're deploying their teams across the, uh, the country or cities or wherever they may shape up and be at. I think we've done a really nice job of capturing some of these broader benefits, but I'd like to learn more about the end user's experience with wearable technology and what is it like to actually have some of these on or using them and what their day-to-day -day is like. So Lorenz, can you do us, uh, can you unpack what it's actually like for workers when using the different type of wearable tech that are out on the project site right now? Yes, sure. Eric, thanks for the question. Let me add a concrete example from our products. Basically, the Navis VLX, our let's say signature scanner, it allows you entirely new user experience in scanning. Because basically mobile scanning allows you scan as you walk experience. Basically, you just put the device on and then you walk through to the job site, to the construction site. Compared to this, if you think about more traditional ways of um, scanning using terrestrial or tripod-based laser scanners, these require very detailed upfront planning of the positions of the laser scanner in order to avoid gaps in the point cloud. So basically, this, the mobile mapping allow, not only increases the productivity, but also allows a much more yeah, intuitive experience. And by this also, let's say, flattens the learning curve uh, to get there. And since you also have a 
basically a live feedback, which parts of the which parts of the building have been scanned and which are not scanned yet. It allows also the less experienced scanner to capture everything and avoid avoid gaps in the data. And you get to the the root of why I was asking this question and it's really encouraging to hear that it's not an obtrusive, it's not a burden for the person that's using some of these different technologies, which I think is obviously a barrier to adoption where if you hand whatever type of tool we're referring to somebody and either they have to mess with it all the time or it hinders their ability to get their work done, that's a showstopper, especially in the construction industry. Neuron and Ken, I'd, I'd love to get your take on that as well, as far as like, if I'm a new construction worker who has never set foot on a project site and you hand me some of these different elements of technology, is, is there anything that I should keep in mind as the total novice uh, or hypothetical novice here who's starting to use the, the different types of tech? So our wearables are, uh, we've designed it for construction workers. So it doesn't distract the workers from like their day-to-day job. Ultimately, they are not there to play with the wearable. They're actually there to perform the work, which is building. So our wearable is pretty simple. It's either attached to a hard hat or to a belt clip or a wristband. The worker doesn't have to actually do anything. It's just attached to the body, attached to the, you know uh, to your PPE, a hard hat or a vest. And as I mentioned in the beginning, no charging required. Batteries are like two, three years battery life. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is there is a, uh, the only element that you need to remember is that there's a call for help. So there's a push to call for help in case you're in danger, uh, especially in large scale construction projects, there's a call for help is, is very important factor. There's a fall detection. So when you fall down, it sends an immediate alert to the safety manager. So you can be rescued for loan worker. And then it can also buzz to alert you not to go to a certain area. So let's say there's a high risk area where are no barriers. So it will buzz there. And those are like five or six different rules. And, and, and I can add, in our case, it's a very natural experience. The work can wear the headset, uh, mount it on a hard hat, and we fit almost all our hats out there. We just use a couple of clips to connect it. It can be worn on a, a bump cap or a baseball cap. It can be worn without PPE, but most construction sites are going to wear with PPE, but it can be wear with a headband around the head. We have a micro display that sits below the eye line, either side, left or right. And it's a very natural experience. So we've designed the user interface to be a very natural experience. So the worker just can use the computing technology when they need it. And when they don't need it, they don't use it. They could even take the boom arm where the micro display is and put it behind them. So it's just it's a point where they don't realize they're necessarily they're wearing, but when they want to use it, they simply just say some voice commands and they can activate an application very quickly, literally a minute, a minute or less to get, an activate, to get an application working. And so we think that's very important because we want the workers to feel very comfortable using the technology all day long for when they need it. It makes sense. And, and all of this stuff comes back to augmenting the way people work. And I always like to remind people out there listening, whether it's augmented reality, virtual reality, any of these different wearable techs, the intent is to help and support you do your job better and easier. And then also in, in the case of say like a, a safety advisor or the senior safety person on a project, it really accelerates the amount of things that they can focus on at a scale that an individual couldn't do themselves. And so it's great to hear that all of these things implemented by default into the technology because it just allows people to be safer at the end of the day and hopefully get the work done a heck of a lot faster while gathering a lot of information that we didn't necessarily have 
three to five years ago. So it's a big change for, for the industry. I'm very much encouraged by it. I think our guests today have done a really great job explaining the potential regarding wearable technology and construction. So I'd like to shift to the second part of today's conversation and really focus on the how. Of course, we'll also spend a little bit of time speculating on what's coming in the future, which is one of my favorite parts about each one of these conversations, because there's a lot of neat stuff in the funnel. But Lorenz, I've got a, a question I want to start off with you here. So what should our listeners consider when evaluating wearable technology and deciding if it's right for their organization? So I see two things. On the one hand, ergonomic design is crucial. And on the other hand, software. Actually, those two aspects, at least from the specific niche of laser scanning, are crucial. Because on the one hand, only great ergonomics allow for a great user experience and allow for basically making this a, a, natural, a natural adoption of the technology. And the other aspect, the, the software aspect, is at least as high or even higher because most variables that we see are hardware devices, but these are smart devices. And usually their value is defined by the software. It, it comes with either directly on the device or in the cloud behind this. And therefore, I think when moving in this direction, also when you think about rather hardware piece, you need to shift uh, minds that basically, at least in the scanning industry, that's the case, now, basically, the software is dominating the quality of the data much more than before when actually the sensors have been dominating the, the quality of the deliverables. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I've heard from more than a few people that software element has, has really been a game changer and also disrupts the speed to deployment or having useful data in your hands conversation as well, because the amount of time necessary to analyze everything is going down. The quality of what you're getting that's provided in an actionable way is now a very different conversation than it was you know, even 12 to 14 months ago. So I, I appreciate that context. Cantor or Neuron, do you have any other thoughts that you could share? is our listeners evaluate the different types of wearable technology and what they should be thinking about? I think construction is going through such a huge evolution right now where the adoption of technology has become a part of their business strategy right now. And I think wearables associated with the worker, workforce makes 50-60% of the construction in the market. You have about 10 million construction workers in the U.S. to make these workers safer and understand their productivity in a true sense. In some cases, like in New York, in interior construction, safety is a lower priority because there's such a low safety incident rates. So they focus on simple things as knowing the number of workers on a site. But when you go to oil and gas and industrial sites, the number of workers having accidents is such a huge that could impact their lower their EMR rating, that could impact their winning their bidding, like their insurance costs. And add what Neron said, it comes down to the job task and really what the worker and the company is trying to accomplish. And then really it's about what technology best fits to meet that job task and meet the needs of the workers. Yeah, I think with any type of technology, obviously, if you jump too quickly into the, let's get the shiny new toy, there's always challenges there because you haven't fully thought through your use case and what you're trying to solve and what kind of data you're trying to capture and what improvement you're actually trying to make, which leads into my next question, actually. And I think 
in construction now, first and foremost, that outdated perspective that construction is the least digitized industry in the world is no longer a true statement. Every time I see that come across my LinkedIn feed or something, I'm just like, no, like I, I talk to people all day long. We're there now. Thank God. Like it's a good moment for our industry to really just make some serious progress with technology. As all roads point back to data, there's an important conversation that we all have to have as far as how we're capturing it, how we're leveraging it, and what do we actually want to do with it. And so that isn't a roadblocker, I would say, to capturing more data. Please, by all means, continue doing so. But having that plan and that strategy in place is super important. And Neuron, I want to pick your brain to start off with here. How can we ensure that the data our listeners are capturing with wearable tech or any type of construction technology ends up creating actionable insights for those that are actually out there capturing it? I know that, Eric, personally, you've gone through this journey where people were using pen and paper to, to plan and then to assign tasks and to do the daily reporting and then they move to okay they're going to move to some so desktop based application and now they move to cloud and mobile and then now finally we're coming to real-time data collection so in the data strategy right now there's multiple things here i think the, one of the critical things is about just focusing on safety the number of people dying in the u.s in construction site is pretty large number actually i think four people die on a job site every day it's about 1200 workers in a year. That's a lot of fatalities in a year. It's a huge amount of loss to the industry, people dying, insurance costs, like everything. Understanding what causes safety incidents and being proactive about that is such a critical part. What behavior leads to safety incidents? So when we see a person jumping from three feet up and above, which can lead to an accident, you can proactively tell them, look, this is unsafe behavior. Let's avoid that actually. Or when you're working in a big area and you're somebody's backing up a vehicle and if the vehicle could be so complex that it could it doesn't have the mirror to see it, it could just hit you right away. And being able to alert that is, it's a matter of a millisecond of data that you need to do to save lives actually. So we're heavily focused on that. We work with several large scale industrial companies where we're able to improve people's lives and make sure that they're going home on time. And using that data to now alert when to make their decisions on how do you train the people. And this is very dynamic. It does, like, you cannot plan the entire safety profile in, in the beginning of the project. It's a day-to-day -day thing. So that's a big part. And in productivity, as we talked earlier, right now, Google will tell you how long it'll take for me to go from here to Midtown Manhattan. In construction project, we still don't know how long it'll take for you to build the airport actually right now, or how many workers will be required. It's all still a guesstimate. So what is a true productivity, productive time that you're going to spend on a job site to actually perform the tool work it is a critical factor not to pay people less, to demystify some myths in a way, but to actually understand that and then plan better. And I think that's where the data play comes in, actually. Yeah, you capture two incredibly important elements in your answer there. And, and the safety one, as you alluded to, is it's what you do when you step on a site, it's what happens at the end of the day. You start and you end with that safety talk. And it's so encouraging to hear that we're now in a really fortuitous position to augment the safety professionals on site that are out there keeping everybody safe every day, which is so very much important with new strategies and new tools to, to be even more impactful in those conversations that, that they get to have. And as you mentioned, it's not a it's not a big brother thing. We're not here like as overlords to say, oh, I know exactly where you were on the project site and I'm mad at you now. It's a I'm here to help you and I want to understand so then I can in turn either 
have you more effective at your role so you're deployed at the right place at the right time or discourage that you know unsafe behavior and you have that information to really arm yourself for an impactful and meaningful conversation Ken, Lorenz, I'd love to get your take on, on that data conversation and ensuring that our listeners are effective with what they're gathering to make sure that they have actionable insights at the end of the day instead of a, a lake of unused data. <laughs> Absolutely. Safety is huge. With better camera technologies, AI localizer in the cloud, there's a lot of work being done around assessment of areas to make a determination as to whether something unsafe in that area and to alert the worker, alert the company. It's all been done in a very natural, intuitive way. And that's only going to get better and better as we improve AI, as we improve cloud compute capabilities around um, those technologies. And from some of the stuff we've seen, we're super excited about the future of how wearable technologies with cameras can help improve um, safety on a construction site, which, as Ron said, one of the more unsafe professions and something we're very focused on at Realware. Yeah, I think it all really just comes back to having actionable insights that really improve the lives of everybody who's deployed out to site every day, whether that's in a safety element or a productivity element or in a in awareness of the status of the project so you can accurately predict your schedule or challenges you have. All of those things come back to the data that you have to leverage, the quality of it, and then your ability to actually interpret it in whatever format that is presented. And so there's so much there. I'm a tremendous data nerd. And uh, for those listening, if you haven't read Harnessing the Data Advantage in Construction, we can add a link to it in the show notes. It's a recent report that I had the pleasure of working on with FMI that really uncovers just the nuances of where people are struggling with data strategies and helping people start implementing positive improvements to make the world better. But I am reaching for my crystal ball. I've got it in my hands, and I think it's a moment to take a peek at what's coming in the future. And I'd appreciate it if each one of you today could share your predictions for the future of wearable technology and construction or any other tech that you're really excited about and what that might look like in the coming years. And Lorenzo, what do you think is coming in the world of construction technology? In the field of reality capturing, we see actually two almost complementary trends. And on the one hand, scanning and mapping devices are getting more and more small and natural in use. So basically, they are become, in future, everyone will have one and it will be deeply integrated in their workflows. On the other hand, and that's complementing the picture from my perspective, we'll see much more autonomous mapping, autonomous systems, robotic systems also capturing. But those two, we see very much as two com complementary trends that actually that create a higher reliability into the captured data. We, we see this actually, the first application of this in factories, and I'm sure also in, in construction, this we see also first steps. We still think that basically in the automotive industry, things are slightly ahead, but the, it's clearly going in, in this direction. And the, the underlying problem that this is going to solve is actually to reduce rework in the end by having a, a really reliable representation of the exist state. And less rework is less cost, less waste, more sustainability. So I'm encouraged to hear that we're trending in that direction. Ken, how about you? What's your crystal ball saying regarding the future of wearable and construction technology? The pace of innovation, Eric, is incredible. And we see a time when, you know, a vast number of workers on a construction site will be having some form of wearable compute. And the computer is going to know where you're at. It's going to know where you're at relative to your workers. It's going to know what you're doing or what you're about to go do. 
And it's going to have predictive technologies. Where, so you, when you walk up to, say, a particular area of a construction site, it knows what you're there for, and it tells you something, whether it gives you data or gives you workflow or instructions. This is all really exciting stuff, and it's all a- around the corner. Yeah, I think that's also encouraging to hear, too. We'd already alluded to it before, but the, the challenges with skilled labor right now are only going to increase. We, we're, we're all aware of it. It's something that we don't like talking about because it feels bad, but it, it's a serious element of construction. And as these technologies get better and we can further augment what people are capable of doing and the productivity that they're you know having, oftentimes look at robotics or AI or VR or any of these things and go, oh gosh, like I'm getting replaced. And that's so much not the case. It's making sure that humans are able to do what they can do well, and then leaving the other stuff to the technology that allows us to implement and adopt all of these things or improve them at a scale an individual human just simply can't do. It's an exciting moment. I'm excited to to see when all of these things start shaping up even more concretely on the construction sites. And apologies for my unintentional pun there. <laughs> Niran, how about you? What does your crystal ball say with regards to the future of wearable tech and construction technology? So I think uh, there are three different categories of innovation happening right now which is the first one is on the robotics to actually build buildings in a way. You have multiple robots right now that are using being used to augment, not just augment, actually replace humans. And that's one thing. The second one is using prefabrication. There's a whole world like where like the modularization is a big thing right now. I know we work with so many companies that build half of their buildings or data centers in the factories and they ship there to the site. So that's saving a lot of money to them. And the third is, is the wearables, uh, you know, that allows you to collect real-time data, but not just the data piece is important. Actually, the insights that we're providing is the more important thing. So those are the three different the, um, direct categories of innovation that are happening right now. And we're excited to be like, you know, working a part of that data collection and providing insights every day, saving lives. And I mean, in ultimately, it's going to be the time where we will be able to determine how long it's going to take, how much it's going to cost, how do we not have any safety incident on a job site, and become making it so predictable that it's going to be not as similar to manufacturing a car, but like similar to that because it's, it's a different field. But I think that that's where we're heading towards. And with BIM, with integrations, with data science, this is where the opportunity is. Yeah. That convergence of construction and manufacturing is something that we're really excited about here at Autodesk. And I think the industry at large has had an uptick in, in adoption in the last couple of years. The pandemic, I think, drove a lot of that because people were looking for ways to pull more people off sites and allow them to build in a more controlled environment. But as the different technologies have increased, like 3D printing, the skill and quality and finish that you can deliver in prefabrication is getting better and better some of the outdated opinions on what's actually possible with the the offsite construction and prefabrication have totally been turned upside down. And so I, I'm really excited to see that continue. And it goes back to the, the conversation we had a moment ago about rework being reduced. When you've built it to spec, you can just roll in and stand it up and put it together. It's a very different conversation than eyeballing something in the moment and then going, oops, we had outdated plans. Let's rip all that out and put it back together again. We're moving away from that, I think, more and more every day. And I know most owners and construction companies are, are excited about that. So to close out this week's episode, I've got one fun question that I ask every guest, and that is, what is one tool that you will always carry in your toolbox, no matter what type of project you're working on? Ken, how much you kick us off for this one? My one tool is going to be our headset, which is the Navigator 500, and I love this product. 
And this is what I'm going to be carrying around. I like it. I wish I could get my hands on one. The moment that we're at right now, with COVID, I haven't I haven't been fortunate enough to go on a site walk in a while, and I want to get back out there again and just start using some of the tools and how they've evolved in the last five years. And uh, for our listeners, Ken's wearing his right now, so you should go go to their website and take a look at what that technology looks like. It's pretty neat to say the least. It's like uh, Google Gra- Google Glass, but far more robust and, uh, and interesting for a construction space. So thank you for sharing that. And it won't break when you drop <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it won't break when you drop it. That's a, a, a critical element in construction. Lorenz, how about you? What's one tool you will always carry in your toolbox? I'm always having a pencil with me, by the way, still in video conference and everything. I, I'm still, go, there's a lot of sketching, etc., going on while video calls. But besides this, there's actually the probably more important tool are the concepts from crossing the chasm by, by Moore. I think this is still so much to the point and in most decisions that we have in either product marketing or positioning competitive review, that helps. I love it. You've got a blend of the physical and the theoretical. It sounds like you're armed to tackle any project that comes your way. Niran, how about you? What's, uh, what's one tool that you'll carry to any project? A hard hat with a sensor on it. Ultimately, like can save so, many, so much safety prevention. And with a sensor that, you know, now you are Iron Man, actually. So that's what, uh, that's what we do. It's great. Now you get to empower people to uh, to do a lot more with the the technology you're taking uh, advantage of. And I wish some of this had been available back when uh, I was still wearing my GC hat. We had a few remote projects close to 12 years ago now, so <laughs> dated perspective for this specific situation. But we had remote sites that were in a very hard to get to area with limited connectivity, and so the ability to track project progress was inherently challenging because you're sending a you know four megapixel camera photos back that are from bad angles and crossing your fingers that everything's going well. So the ability to really document and capture all of this data has such a meaningful impact to, to what we're able to do and the insights that we're able to capture. But I know all three of you are working on some real cool stuff as you have shared. Is there anything you'd like to plug or share with our listeners that they should know about? Ken, how about you uh, go first? We're really thrilled about this headset that I mentioned and, we're, and I'm wearing. Yeah, I'm still wearing it for everybody uh, out there listening. It's, a, it's got a modular camera and camera technology is evolving really fast. So we can pop the camera off and put a new one on. This one's a 48 megapixel camera, a lot of different kinds of camera configurations. You can put on an LTE module attached to it. We also have an ability to upgrade this display as display technology changes out. It's also lighter than the uh, last generation by about 30%. So we're really excited for this platform as well as, uh, as well as all the software that is currently available on the platform and software that's currently in the work to come out with this to enhance the capabilities and, and really the benefits for um, the workers in the construction industry and other industries as well. well. I'm glad to hear that is progressing in its evolution since there's some cool stuff going on. So if you're out there listening and you're interested in that wearable tech, make sure to go check it out. Lorenz, is there anything else that or anything you'd like to plug specifically for our listeners? The future is definitely exciting also on our side, but nothing to share yet, unfortunately. Come. It sounds like there's some stuff coming that you should be aware of, so uh, stay tuned for a bit more. Niran, how about you? Anything that you'd like to plug for our listeners today? Yeah, so I think the next evolution is towards a digital twin of a job site. And on the evolution towards a digital twin, 
we've perfected our art of capturing data of workforce safety and productivity, and we are evolving towards understanding equipments and materials as well. Ultimately, we're looking at a 3D model on our BIM Revit viewer, and you are seeing equipment moving around, you're seeing a worker moving around, and you're seeing materials being stacked here. So you're, you're basically having a real-time visualization of a live uh, job site, actually. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that context. And if our listeners have questions and they are now wearable technology enthusiasts, I'm sure they'd love to be able to reach out and connect with you. Ken, can you share how somebody could contact you if they got a question? Sure. Our website is www.railware.com. We have sales and support teams around the world. I'm also on uh, LinkedIn, Kenneth Lustig on LinkedIn, or you can reach me at kenneth.railware.com. Perfect. And Lorenz, how about you? What's the best way for our listeners to find you if they've got some questions? As always, you can reach me on uh, LinkedIn, and, but probably even more valuable for you will be checking out our website, novice.com. And don't have, but still don't hesitate to get in touch via LinkedIn if you would like to. Perfect. Everybody should go out and follow these gents for sure. Miran, how about yourself? Any ideal way for people to contact you? Yeah, so they can contact me via LinkedIn and, or you can send me an email at info at quant.ai. Our website is www.kwantquant.ai and we operate around the clock every day, 24 hours, weekends. Some, you, somebody will be there to answer you. Awesome. It sounds like we have three gentlemen who are eager to hear from our, our listeners here. If you've got questions or comments or just general enthusiasm to share and are totally worth a follow just because I know all three of them share interesting stuff on uh, all the various uh, social platforms as uh, new tech and ideas are released. And for everybody out there listening. Thanks for taking the time to join us on this episode of Autodesk's Digital Builder Podcast. If you've got any questions or have any topic suggestions for me about a future episode, I absolutely want to hear from you as well. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very easy to find or over on Twitter. My handle there is builder underscore digital. Also, as I mentioned at the start of the show, if you are enjoying Digital Builder, please take a moment to rate it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. All you've got to do is open the app, find Digital Builder, and select the number of stars that you think we deserve. Hopefully it's five. If it's one, please ignore everything I just mentioned. And on that final note, goodbye. You've been listening to Digital Builder. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves, and then you're done. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.